0: It's July 27th, I'm Ezra Levant, and you're watching Battleground. Hello Rebels, it's great to be back. You know, I loved doing Battleground every single day at 12 noon Eastern time. And we had a real run there for about two months, but then uh, I had to travel. I went to Israel, uh, and I tried to do it from there, but the internet connection was so wonky, and even the time zones didn't work. And then I had to go to London, Tommy Robinson's appeal and obviously during during the time I would do I mean it just the times didn't work and uh, it's just I, I love doing it but it just is tough for me to commit to doing it every single day and it's not great if I'm missing you know 50% or two-thirds of them but it is my goal to have a live chat every Friday and uh here we go. So it's great to, ha- great to be back. Thank you for joining me. And thanks to my friend, David Menzies, who uh, did a lot of the shows when I was away. Uh, just a reminder for folks uh, for whom this is new, Super Chat is the fun word invented by YouTube and Google to describe what we're doing. It's a live chat. I'm coming to you live, which is the scheduling challenge we've been talking about. As you can see on the side of the screen there, there's comments in real time. But what the Super Chat function is, it's sorta neat. Uh, You can make your comment um, in a bright highlighted color, and you can even make it appended, affixed, to the top of the comment box there for a period of time by chipping in a couple of bucks. And what's great for us at the Rebel is that we actually get, I think, 70% of that money, which is good in the days of demonetization, where YouTube, Google, Twitter, Facebook, whatever, they censor, they shadow ban, they defund conservative sites. So we really, our advertising has been cut back by 85% by YouTube. So believe it or not, if you chip in five bucks or five pounds or whatever currency you have, uh, that's just uh, it goes goes to us, so that's a, a pleasant change. Um, yeah, there we have it. Uh, I, I see it out of the corner of my eye. I Got my computer open here, and out of the corner of my eye, I see Mer- Mary Ann Garcia chipping in um, a dollar ninety nine. Well, thank you very much, free Tommy. Well, that is one of the things I want to talk about today um, because uh, I have news from um, from Tommy Robinson. Uh, Sorry, I'm just uh, sending out the producers there. Uh, This morning, I received a text from Tommy's family and then I spoke by phone with one of Tommy's lawyers and they confirm that the court of appeal uh, that Tommy's lawyers argued in front of, I think it was on July 18th if memory serves me correctly, they will be returning with a verdict next week. What's weird about the news I got both from the family and from uh, the lawyer, is that the judges indicate they'll have their verdict on Tuesday or Wednesday. Well, <laughs> which is it? I mean, that's like say, hey, come to my wedding. It's on Tuesday or Wednesday. All right. Um, it's already Friday. Can you please tell me which of those two days? Well, um, look, I I'm not buddies with the judges. I can't just text them and say which day you're talking about. So I, I, have to, I have to book my ticket assuming it'll be the earlier of the days and also permitting that it'll be the later of the two days. So I gotta, if I'm going to go there, I mean, I don't want to assume it's on the Wednesday and miss it. But if I'm there early, I obviously I'm going to stick around if it is on the Wednesday. So there you go. Um, so I hopped on Expedia, and uh, the cheapest flights that bring me in Monday night, so in case it's Tuesday morning, the cheapest flight is almost 2,000 Canadian, even on Expedia, sorted by price, um, economy class. So th- that's just what it's like when you fly last minute to London. And uh, the hotel I booked last time uh, said they're happy to have me back at a 15% discount, which is nice, but it's still expensive to stay. Uh, near the court. And of course, that makes sense. I don't want to be far away from the court. I don't want to miss it. So I am going back to London. And um, if you can help chip in to cover my costs, please do. We've set up the, the page at tommytrial.com. Tommytrial.com. I've just got to go over there. And here's why because the mainstream media lie through their teeth. And I saw that when I covered Tommy's appeal, I was there in the courtroom. And I was typing as fast as I could. That w- I was very glad that the judge permitted us to live tweet from the courtroom. And there was a chance he would not. I asked the clerk to put the question. I got there really early, as you may know. And I talked to the clerk and I explained who I was and what I was trying to do. Oh, and I see another super chat. Thank you very much. Being writing biblical word to him. Mary Ann Garcia, thanks. Um, I'll get to the comments in a minute. I'm just opening up with a little ramble here. So I got to the court really early, and I talked to the clerk. It's a very fancy courtroom, and there, there were desks there for media. There's a media section in, in the court. Jason, Matt, chipped in 279. Thank you. So um, I knew they were media-friendly, sort of, but I didn't know if I could tweet from the court, but the, the clerk put it to the judge, and it was actually the very first thing the judge said is, yes, mega-random <laughs> poop, thank you. Um, the judge said yes. So I sat there, I actually sat next to John Carson, I tried not to bug him, but I asked him to explain a few things to me and he usually said, shh, 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 Is <laughs> really what he said. I tried not to be a pest, but I wanted, I, like they were talking about certain cases that I was unfamiliar with and, and unlike American and Canadian courts where all the court filings and briefings are public. That's not how it works in the UK. They're they're privately filed pleadings, Um, so that was news to me. Anyhow, so I was asking, I was bugging John Carson, and he kept on saying shush. But I figured it out mostly. Um, I think I tweeted 176 times uh, that day, and uh, I'm guessing 150 of them were from the court. So I was typing as fast as my little fingers could fly, and uh, you know I may have had some typos, I may have had some, I may have misheard something, but I think I generally got it right. And uh, my Twitter analytics, if you can believe it, says that those tweets were viewed 5.7 million times. 5.7 million times, plus I did about 10 videos. Now the reason I'm telling you this is because there were at least six or seven other mainstream media outlets there, including um, the BBC. I said hello to someone from the BBC, including someone from The Independent, the falsely named liberal newspaper. And the folks who were actually in the court, I think did a fair enough job of live tweeting what they saw. DJ Foster says, thanks for all you do to keep us informed. Well, you're welcome. Um, But what I found unbelievable is that at least two senior mainstream media journalists were tweeting about the appeal hearing and they were not there in the courtroom. They were tweeting authoritatively. They were opining. They were giving their views, and they weren't even in the room, and they got their facts wrong. Jane Reynolds, 1099, great work for Tommy. Thank you for saying that. Let me tell you why that's important. And I'll name names here. The Guardian, the political correspondent, channel 4 with their video editor who also works on their fact check so they were tweeting falsehoods about Tommy now it would be bad enough if they were in the court tweeting falsehoods but they weren't even in the courtroom in both of these cases these two liars were were saying that Tommy was not appealing the se- the sentence itself. The Tommy, sorry, the conviction itself for contempt of court. In fact, Tommy was not only appealing the sentence, he was appealing his conviction in Leeds County Court. And, believe it or not, he was appealing his conviction a year ago in Canterbury, the one that happened when he worked for us. And there was a technical reason he did so because, uh, and I won't get into it now, but it was an interesting Appeal by the lawyers. I don't know if it'll be successful, but, I, but it certainly showed to me they were leaving no stone unturned. And that made me feel good. I mean, I thought that was a bit of a stretch, to be candid. But the fact that they were going that far made me feel good. I thought, well, geez, if they're actually appealing the Canterbury conviction a year ago, then I know they're doing everything they ought to be doing because they're going further. I see some more Super Chats here. Let me catch up. Uh, Kevin Victor, 20 rupees, I think that, that symbol is. Thank you very much. Uh, Scott Conklin, 10 bucks, thanks. Colin, but you can, you can make a comment with your super chat, by the way, like uh, Colin Buckley chipped in five pounds. He says, would Tommy's release mark a turning point in our fight for justice? Yes, and I'll tell you why. First of all, I mean, and again, I'm not a British solicitor. I've been talking to uh, Tommy's lawyers and I've been trying not to bug them. Like I'm so curious, I got so many questions, but remember they don't work for me, right? They work for Tommy, I'm, we're just crowdfunding them. A year ago in Canterbury, the lawyers worked for me because Tommy worked for us, and, and it, was a, it was a rebel thing. We're just doing the crowdfunding, so they don't actually work for me. Of course, these lawyers, they, Tommy's a client. Um, I mean, they know I'm an ally and everything, but they still have to be careful not to disclose things to me because that would violate solicitor client privilege. Do you understand what I'm saying? If I am not the client, and they tell me something that is secret, Legally, it's not secret anymore, right? That's what solicitor-client privilege is. So, uh, you know, they've been very professional that way. And I I mean, I ask them 100 questions, and they give me some answers. But the right thing is for them to give me few answers, if you take my meaning. And even to keep things from me that they know I want to know because it, because their duties to their clients. So they're good lawyers. <clears throat> um, but to answer your question specifically, Colin, you say... Will this mark, uh, let me read your question precisely, will this, will Tommy's release mark a turning point in our fight for justice? And I see like the east wind chipped in 20 bucks. By the way you can um, you can write a comment with your your super chat. Yes it would mark a turning point. Number one, my cursory research shows me that no journalist has been sentenced to prison for contempt of court since 1949. Is that amazing? So it's, what's that, almost 70 years. The UK does not imprison journalists. It's a free country, right? I mean, that's something that Vladimir Putin or um, Iran does or Venezuela or Cuba, right? The United Kingdom imprisons a journalist. Can you name me? You now, maybe, I mean, I, I didn't do a very detailed search. I got other things I'm doing with the time. Can anyone out there contradict me when I say the last time a journalist was imprisoned was 1949? Isn't that... Doesn't that tell you something's off right there? And not just in prison for a week or for 30 days. But for 13 months? I've told you the case of uh, George Galloway versus Aisha Ali Khan, his very pretty former assistant there in some legal fight. Uh, there were two court orders against her not to tweet about it. Two, not one, but two court orders. She violated those two court orders more than 20 times. And she was sentenced to 12 weeks. That's a very high sentence. I doubt she served more than 30 days. Um... But that's two court orders, more than 20 violations. Tommy didn't even violate the court order. All he did, he did not step step foot on court property. He did not say that they were guilty. He called them accused or alleged rapists. The only thing he did not tell about anything going on in trial. The only thing he read on TV was something from the state broadcaster, the government of the UK. They have a state broadcaster called the BBC. And Tommy read from their own website the names of the accused. How on earth is that contempt of court? And if it is contempt of court for Tommy, why is it not contempt of court for the BBC? And don't tell me because they publish those early. The website publishes continuously. If you publish something before a publication ban comes in, and then a publication ban comes in, and it's on the website that he publishes continuously, you are in contempt. So do you see what I'm saying? Tommy was not actually guilty of contempt in the first place. And if he pled guilty, it was because he did not have proper or effective counsel. He was not given a proper bill of what he did wrong. That's, that was what was so interesting about the, uh, the appeal, is we learned about the criminal procedure rules that were not followed either in Leeds or Canterbury a year earlier. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? So that's what the appeal was about. Mikey Mike, chipped in 20 bucks, money well spent, keep us informed, cheers. I sure will. And uh, Jacqueline Ann, free Tommy. Well, I think the lawyers are going to do that, and I think the judges are going to do that. i got to tell you again, I, I was nervous about the judges because, you know, one of the, I learned a lot of fun words over the years from Tommy, over the year from Tommy. And one of them is a stitch-up. In Canada, we would say if He was framed. Or it was a setup, but in the UK they say stitch up. Tommy keeps on saying stitch up, this stitch up, that inside job, and I and I say, yeah, Tommy, yeah, Tommy. Well, you know what? This was a stitch up. And I thought, well, maybe this court of appeal will be a stitch up too. I don't think so. Maybe he's uh, an adept actor, but the Lord Chief Justice of the UK, who presided, seemed fair. Now. What do you know, a guy can give a false face for three, four hours, right? But every intervention he made, and by intervention I mean when he asked a question, or when he weighed in, or when he engaged, because it's, you know what a court of appeals, like yeah, the lawyer's doing 95% of the talking, but every once in a while a lawyer, a, a judge says, what about this, or what about that, or is that true? <clears throat> every intervention made by the Chief Justice, Redounded to Tommy's credit. He either strengthened a point that Tommy made or he challenged a, a point to the contrary. I thought it was very interesting. Now, there are three judges on the panel. One of them, uh, Judge Justice Mora um, McGowan, I'm going from memory. I didn't, fa- I didn't think she was sympathetic to Tommy. But, you know, you don't have to be sympathetic to Tommy to look at the law and apply it properly and realize that the law was not applied properly to Tommy in Leeds and therefore whether she likes Tommy or not the verdict was improper and should be overturned. And I think that's what's going to happen. Let me catch up on some of these Super Chats. Urethra Grundle, what a great name. Hello it's me again. Every day I rub shoulders with people that don't know that you exist. Please can you communicate with your merchandise manager and get the ball rolling on cheap bumper stickers. Get the word out. You are so right. You are so right. Thank you for the reminder. In fact, I think with bumper stickers it almost makes sense to give them away for free, right? Advertising. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> Keith McIntosh from Mexico. Hey, Keith, nice to hear from you again. I know you've uh, super chatted before from Mexico. Long time no donate. I haven't been able to determine through media the origin of the Toronto terrorist born in Canada or immigrated as a child refugee or merit system if merit major failure in the process. We'll talk about, that, let's see, it's 12 I promise we'll spend at least half the show today talking about the Toronto terrorist incident. And that's the thing, basic f- who, what, where, why, when journalism has been pushed aside by narrative spin. Isn't that the truth? I'll come back to that, Keith, I promise. Um, Keith Grange, thank you for all you've done. Free Tommy. Well, you know what? It's, it's been interesting because, of course, when you work, well, I mean, I worked with Tommy for a year, And, um, you know, legally you would say employer, employee, but anyone who knows Tommy knows that Tommy doesn't have a boss. It's it's like, I'm not gonna say like herding cats, it's like herding lions. You know, a lion does not get herded unless it wants to. So it's been an unusual change in that when Tommy was working with the rebel, it was like a handful all the time. But here we had one very clear mission Crowdfund the legal appeal. Couldn't be simpler, right? I was not involved with the demos. That was Raheem Kassam and others in the UK. Congratulations to them. Congratulations to the funders of the demonstrations, thank you, and to everyone who attended. I can't take any credit for that. I had no role in that. And I, I do not purport to be a general spokesman for the family, but on the one narrow issue of crowdfunding is legal appeal, that's what we've done, and you know what? Credit goes to our Rebel viewers hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Rebel viewers all around the world. That's what's been interesting to me, is to see how widespread Tommy's support is. I think that um, maybe Tommy always sort of knew it or something, but I think he will be incredibly um, encouraged by the width and depth of his support. And, of course, he's been in prison, and so his access to information is limited. I've been sending him some emails. I know other people have. You can um, I don't know if it makes sense. I, I guess he's still in prison for a few more days. If you go to emailaprisoner.com, you can send him an email. And I, you, know, you can cut and paste a news story and put it right in. You can't send, I don't know if you can send a link, but you can cut, text, and paste it. So I think he's been given a lot of info in prison because he'll go crazy. Guy's in jail cell by himself. He has to read, say, say. So I think he gets a sense of how much support there's been out there. But I think only when he comes out. Will he get the true depth of it? Chris Simpson, really enjoyed your James Dellingpole Breitbart podcast released today on iTunes. Well done on your accurate Danforth reporting. Hey, thanks very much. Yeah, you know, I didn't mention that when I was in London, I sat down with James Dellingpole, who's a really good guy, very, you know, he's your, your, your iconic, uh, slightly eccentric, totally lovable Brit. You know, he's a great guy, lives in the country. He made the three-hour journey in, into the city. Uh, to meet me, and we chatted for an hour, and I just rambled. Um, so, that podcast is up on Breitbart, and uh, uh, so thank you um, for listening to it. Um, let's see what we got. Mike Thwait, thanks for your support. Appreciate it. Keith McIntosh, your courtship of Spencer Fernando is becoming insufferable. When are you going to put a ring on it? And come work for the rebel. <laughs> well, you know what? I like Spencer Fernando, I've never met him. Uh, by the way, I think he's based in Winnipeg, and I just see his videos, and I see his tweets, and I get his emails. I signed up for his email, and I think he's great. Now, I, I did um, ask him to work for the Rebel, and he said, no, I'm too busy doing my Winnipeg stuff, and yada, yada. It's probably true. I mean, he's a busy guy. He's like, a, I think he's a one-man shop, but that doesn't stop us from uh, retweeting his stuff, which I do, and we uh, I think we embed his YouTube videos on our site, so he gets the clicks, but... We bring it to the attention of our viewers. So, I, I mean, it's, it's still pretty good. Like, we get access to all this stuff. He's just not an, a, a rebel-branded talent. So I guess the plus side for us is we don't have to pay him. Uh, the downside is we can't lay claim to him. But uh, I'm a fan of his. I've never talked to him on the phone, actually. I just just uh, communicated with him uh, via computer. But uh, he seems like a good guy, doesn't he? He's really, really good. Um <clears throat> I can't, I can't quite, uh, I don't know, it looks like Greek to me, so it just says, people, if you want to have a chance to not have your guns confiscated, it's time to join the CCFR, Canadian Coalition for Firearm Rights, and that looks like a Greek name at the top there, and I I, I, I can't read Greek, but thank you very much for that comment. just want to make sure I haven't missed any super chats. Guys, have I missed any super chats going by? No, it looks like I'm I'm up to speed there. Okay, it's 12.21. Time is flying. We're talking about Tommy. I'm going back there. You know, um, I don't mind the flight. I mean, it's a seven-hour flight from Toronto. I mean, it's not the end of the world. I, I fly to BC. It's five hours. You know, you fly to LA. It's five hours. I'm not complaining. It's just, it's frustrating to me that I don't know what day the appeal will be issued. Is that Tuesday or Wednesday. How can the judges not know? But both the family and the lawyer, and I guess it's info coming from the same place, say Tuesday or Wednesday. All right, great. So now I got to go on Monday, obviously, in case the, the lawyers keep me away. Uh, I mean, in case the border patrol keeps me away. Got to go early. Got to be there in case it's on Tuesday. If it's not on Tuesday, got to be there on Wednesday. And I got a book for Wednesday, even if it's on Tuesday, because I don't know. So um, going to cover a one-hour appeal verdict—it's uh, <laughs> four days. It's four days. What I mean, what, what am I going to do? Because I got to go in a day early because of the flights. I don't want to land at like eight thirty in the morning, because in case the flight's late and the heat throws slow, and if I'm detained, I'm going to miss the court. So I, I got to go in on Sunday night, land Monday. I got to be there in case the verdicts on Tuesday. If it's not on Tuesday, I got to cool my jets till Wednesday. And if it's on Wednesday, Tommy's coming back Wednesday afternoon, right? So I want to be there. So I'm actually, actually, you know, returning Thursday. So we're talking Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We're talking five days, four and a half days, including 14 hours in the air, just for, for what's probably going to be like a 90-minute court presentation. But what are you going to do? That's the law. The law is not a speedy thing; it grinds slowly. But in this case, I think it's going to—I uh, think it's going to have a good result. I think Tommy's going to be freed. Um, let me see if I missed any super chats. Oh, yeah, here we go. Dunno nothing. You know, Marson and Harding worked at the same office. Oh, so, so if I'm now, I think I recognize those names. You're talking about the judge in Leeds and the public defender lawyer. I think you are. That's interesting to me. Um, do you have any background on that? I'm not disputing it. I would just like to corroborate it because that's an interesting thing to say. Um. <clears throat> All right. So I'm going. I'm going back over there. I've got to pack my bags. And it's Friday, so I'll get on a plane in two days. I'll land in three days. Uh, the verdict will hopefully be on the fourth day. If not, it'll be on the fifth day. And I'll come home on the sixth day. But you know why it's important? I mean, first of all, I want to settle the accounts with all the lawyers because there's been a lot of lawyers working hard on this. And, and uh, of course, that's what the crowdfunding is for. Um, <clears throat> of course, 100% of the surplus goes to the family, so we want to just tidy that all up. Um, but mainly, besides, you know, tidying it up with the lawyers and the family, I know they're going to lie about Tommy. I just know it. Hey... Alex, can you get two clips from Hannah? They're the clips from the BBC Who Are the Tommy Supporters. I used them in a monologue the other day. One is a clip of the police horses charging the Peppa Pig puppet balloon. And the other is the BBC reporter lecturing a lady about Muslim rape gangs. Um, Hannah should have those clips. I want to play those clips. (coughs) My friend Alex is going to get some clips for you. Um, Calvin, aren't chips in five bucks? Thanks very much. Okay, while I'm waiting for those clips, I'm just going to read some non-super uh, chat comments. So here's what we're going to do. It's 12:25. We're almost halfway done the show. We're getting two clips because I've I told you about the lies from the Guardian and Channel Four, right? And they're going to lie again. They hate Tommy. You know, you can hate someone and still report fairly. You know what I mean? You can be biased, but still give a fair and accurate report. The UK is, they they hate Tommy, they're biased against Tommy, but even their facts are false. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's different than just having a strong opinion. You can say Tommy Robinson, the odious bad guy, blah, 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 and then what you say is true. Like, you you just gave your, your vicious opinion about the guy but then you give your true facts. Do you understand the difference? You can have a very harsh opinion, but we all have the same facts on it. You can have your own opinions, but you can't have your own facts. And the Guardian and Channel 4 lied about the underlying facts to support their foul opinions. You're never gonna change the Guardian or the BBC or Channel 4 or Sky or the Daily Mail or the Times or the Telegraph. You're never gonna change their opinion about Tommy. It's unfair, but life's unfair. But why are they lying? That's different. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's different to have false facts than to have a strong opinion. That's what bugs me. That's why I'm going back, because you're gonna lie. Bennis K says, the BBC and The Guardian, the links of people who work for both is quite telling. Oh yeah, you know, in Canada here, I use the phrase the media party. It's like a political party. It's cohesive, it's ideologically uh, aligned. They discipline each other like a party does if they get out of line. Uh, they campaign. They're, they're really embedded partisans who know that you can be very effective in the media, You especially if you work for the state broadcaster. Unlike a politician, you don't have to raise money. Unlike a politician, you're not voted out. It's a permanent political party. UKIP up and down. Tories labor in and out. But the media party is an eternal party, a perpetual party that you can never vote out. And The worst thing about the state broadcaster, the BBC in the United Kingdom, uh, the CBC here, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, the worst thing about the state broadcasters is they are completely immune from public pressure. I mean, a private broadcaster goes absolutely nuts. People can just walk away. And we see that in the media. So many people just aren't buying crappy left-wing papers, newspapers going out of business like crazy. The BBC will never go out of business because they extract, they extort their money. Through the force of a gun, that license that is the law in the UK. In Canada, you don't even have a license. It's right off your taxes. Rem Radovich, 20 bucks. Thank you very much for your support. I appreciate that. How are we doing with that vids, guys? Okay. I want to start so <clears throat> thanks, Alex, and thanks, Justin, for getting those videos. When I was in um London, uh I wasn't the only one who was paying attention to Tommy. The United Kingdom, sorry, <laughs> the British Broadcasting Corporation of the United Kingdom uh sent one of their investigative reporters uh, on a mission to do a story who are these tommy robinson supporters who are they ali patel 40 rupees thank you ali um and it was like watching a national geographic special i'm a bbc reporter and i'm going into the deepest darkest jungle of the amazon to see a tribe that you've never seen before these people called tommy robinson supporters we've got to be careful i've taken all my shots Some of them are known to bite. Let's go now, shh, there's the Tommy Robinson supporters in their natural habitat. It was like that. It was like they were going into an alien world. It was like they almost wore the bubble suits. Oh, what if they breathe on me? I'll get Tommy cooties. I hope I don't get infected with Tommy Robinsonitis or something. It really was like this. The BBC, so out of touch with an enormous swath of UK uh, a population. Who are these people? So, so they sent this guy, and of course, it being a modern, modern narcissist lefty, it was mainly about him, 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 him. And I did this, and I said this, and they said this. It was, it was ridiculous. But there's two moments from that BBC mini-doc. It was like a 13-minute thing. Two minutes that I found so telling. And the first is, they went to a Tommy demo. That's what they call rallies in the UK. They call them demos. William Henwood, four Tommy. Kem Radovich, 20 bucks, thank you. So they go to Trafalgar Square, which is a beautiful place. Very important historically. And um, remember, this is at the same time that Donald Trump's in the UK. And I don't know if you remember, there was this Trump blimp. They called it a blimp. It was like a, it was pretty, it was like a bouncy castle. It was like pretty small. It was like maybe 20 feet high. It was a, the little balloon that looked like Trump is a baby and it got enormous media coverage. So I want to show you, it's about a two minute clip I think, maybe less, from the pro Tommy demo. So this is from the BBC National Geographic special about who Tommy supporters are. I'm just setting this clip up and we'll play the clip in a second. So this is a, a Tommy demo and you'll see there's senior citizens, kids, Moms, dads, a wide variety of people. They have signs, no racism, no vulgarity. They have a Peppa Pig balloon. Can you just Google Peppa Pig and show me and show everybody the image? Peppa Pig is a kid's show. It's British. It's about this pig called Peppa. And I think my kids used to watch it. I think if, if I recall it, she's, she's into ballet or something. Just throw it up on the screen. So There you go. Peppa Pig. I say it. It's like Porky Pig in North America, right? Thanks. Um, so someone had a Peppa Pig kid's balloon and they just taped a picture of Sadiq Khan, the anti-Trump, anti-Tommy, Islamist, Muslim mayor of London. They taped a little picture of Sadiq Khan on the Peppa Pig balloon. That's it. So you got this huge Trump balloon authorized by the mayor and the little way of fighting back is someone at the tr- Tommy protest had a Peppa Pig balloon with a Khan on it. That's it. I have just told you the whole story. But police decided that Peppa Pig balloon was illegal. Illegal? Is, 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 this, is this the United Kingdom, home of John Milton and free speech and Areopagitica and the Magna Carta, and it's, 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 it's illegal now. Is it? Yeah. Not just was this balloon illegal, but mounted police charged the group of people, including families, because they had this balloon. I swear to God, I'm about to show you the clip. This is an outrageous clip to begin with, but what is the icing on the cake is that this BBC reporter found it unremarkable, sort of, Obvious. I think he supported it. You just had a family charged by mounted police for the sharia crime of associating a Muslim with a pig. I presume that's why it was offensive. And the BBC thinks, oh yeah, it's no problem. Yeah, charge, yeah. Here take a look.
1: A balloon catches the eye of the police. It's clearly a response to the baby blimp flown by the anti-Trump protesters the previous day. But the police decide that Peppa Pig crosses a line. As officers try to remove the offending balloon, bottles are
0: thrown. Is, is that something to report on just in passing? The police think it goes too far and they move in and maybe a bottle was thrown and that's not good. You don't throw a bottle at police, but um, that might be someone angry. That might be an agent provocateur. That might be someone legit. But you've got nothing else to say about in a modern liberal democracy, the cradle of the mother of all parliaments, the mother of... Freedoms and our rule of law. You got. You're the BBC. You got nothing to say about police declaring a kid's balloon illegal and moving in to to seize it. You got. That's that's not that's not remarkable to you. No, because you support that because you're with the BBC. You're with the state broadcaster. I see a super chat that I missed. Uh, Teresa Swan chipped in a pound 99. Thank you. Moon Man, two bucks. The fake news media will soon rot in hell. Deus volt. Jonathan Butler, five pounds. Please tell my mother, Roz, to stay strong for Tommy. Roz, stay strong for Tommy. I truly believe he will be let out of prison on Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, Okay, so I've shown you the first clip. I want to show you the second one. So at the same... Tommy Demo at Trafalgar Square. There's a lovely woman who's there, minding her own business, and the, and the BBC says, let's go after her. And again, I told you, that this really was a vanity production by the BBC. It was, it was about a narcissistic lovey. The broadcaster showing how smart he was. So, so watch this clip. I won't, I won't set it up anymore other than to say, here's a woman worried about Muslim rape gangs raping indigenous white British girls. That, that's, that's what it is. It's Pakistani Muslim men raping indigenous white British girls and the occasional Sikh girl they rape also. And this is happening on an industrial scale. This is what Tommy was reporting on in Leeds when he was arrested. This is what Tommy was reporting on in Canterbury when he was arrested. This is what happened in Rotherham where 1,400 girls were raped in a city of just 250,000. So it's not a matter of opinion that this is happening. Again, opinion is, I like it, I don't like it, it's important, it's not important. Those are all opinions. But the fact is, it's happening. There have been convictions in in Rotherham, an official report has come out, an inquiry, at least 1,400 girls raped. So it is not a matter of opinion. But watch this BBC reporter try to gaslight. Do you know what I mean by gaslight? No, it's not true. No, you don't know what you know. No, 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 you're wrong. I'm with the BBC, I'm telling you you're wrong. You didn't see what you just saw. You don't know what you just know, take a look.
2: I've heard that Muslims believe that they can have sex with children. And do you believe that? I do believe that. I believe that in their country they're, they're, they're allowed to have sex with children. What if I told you that wasn't true? Because it isn't true. I mean
1: I've been to many Muslim countries, I've been all over the Middle East, North Africa, it's definitely not true.
3: Why
2: why are we being shown in this country that it is true then? Why are we being told and shown I don't know, but who that are you being told this way? I I'm only I believe what I read unless it's proven to be not true. I'm just wondering where you get this idea from? From what people, for instance, this rally, last month, we were told what Sharia law is.
0: I'm with the BBC and I'm telling you it's not true. I've been to Muslim countries. I haven't seen any kids being raped. It's not true. What you know is not true. I'm with the government, and I'm here to tell you, you've had too much to think. We know it's true. I just told you how it's true all over the UK. And we know it's true in other lands. We know that child rape is common. We know in Afghanistan, our Canadian troops, American troops, British troops, discovered, what is it called, bacha buzzy boys? Basically, young boys that are held as male rape slaves for Muslim fighters, both the terrorists and the good guys. Some of the post traumatic stress from our Canadian forces was hearing the screams of these boys being raped by their Afghan allies. And I'm not even getting into historical Quranic stories like the. The fact that Mohammed married Aisha when she was six and consummated the marriage when she was nine, I'm not even talking about that. We all know that child marriage is a fact. Child marriage is a very nice way of saying rape. You can't marry someone who's nine. You can't marry a nine-year-old. That is not a marriage. That's not a consensual marriage. That is rape. That's rape. That BBC reporter is a goddamn liar. Not only is child rape commonplace in the Muslim world, even if it's technically illegal, it's commonplace. But it's happening throughout the United Kingdom. That's what Tommy's entire motivation is exposed. If if there were no child rape gangs in the UK, I don't even know what Tommy would do for a living because that is the number one issue that motivates him and has for years and this BBC like if, if that was not a problem Tommy would I didn't even know if Tommy would be in politics that's his number one issue it's like 95 percent of what he does is fight back on that and this BBC expert I'm going to meet this obscure tribe called Tommy Robinson supporters in their natural habitat and I'll try to teach these chavs a thing or two, these low class nothings. I'll try and educate them because I'm with the BBC and we have to give these people fire and the wheel because they're very primitive. Let's go to the Amazon forest now. That's the BBC. That was not a BBC documentary about Tommy, was it? That was a BBC documentary about the BBC and their despise and their disgust for Tommy. And there's support for police horses charging people who have a Peppa Pig balloon, for God's sakes. And there's a mum or a grandmum who's worried about women, girls being raped. And she was just told by the government broadcast, when you work for the BBC, you are a government journalist for the state broadcaster. And we were just told... Oh, and he played that because he was so proud. Because the documentary is really about him, isn't it? And how morally superior he is. He's virtue signaling to his own bosses at the BBC. I got this, guys. I'll do. I'll do a number on Tommy. Do you see why I'm going back to London for five bloody days? Do you see why I'm going back? Because do you think that gaslighting, lying, propagandist for the state? Do you think he's going to cover Tommy's trial and verdict accurately? Let. A- I'm not even talking about fair. Do you see the factual lie he told that woman? The fact that he approved of police, mounted police, charging someone with a Peppa Pig balloon shows his opinions. They're odious, they're unreasonable, they're disgraceful, they're un-British, but they're opinions. But then he stopped talking about opinions and he talked about facts. And he said to that woman, you are wrong. There is no child rape in Islam. I am telling you because I know. And now listen to me, you stupid woman. Listen to me. Do you see the difference between an odious opinion and a damnable lie? Do you see the difference? That's why I'm going back to London. All right, I missed some super chats. I'm sure of it. Let's see. Mike Disney, Ezra, I can help next week with a nice room near St. Albans and lifts for you. Free of charge. Thanks for all your Tomifications. Thanks, Mike. I've already made an arrangement, but I, but I appreciate that. I, I don't know my way around the city that well. Um, I'm staying in the Strand, right near the court. My goal is to be as close to the court as possible, so I uh, save money on cabs and and so I don't get lost. I'll be honest. I just don't want to get lost, and I don't want to be delayed. But that's very nice of you to offer me a place to say I appreciate it. But I've I've, actually the hotel I I booked last time was kind enough to offer me a discount, Uh, they said. uh, Let me just see, I wanna make sure I have, have, guys, have I missed any? Oh, here we go, Jasmine Ayer. Come home soon, Tommy. The day for freedom was revolutionary and we need another more than ever. I think he could be out, I think he could be out as soon as Tuesday. Now, again, I don't know if it's Tuesday or Wednesday, but I talked to the lawyer, and the prison, only prison, is an hour away from Tommy's home. Theoretically, he could be home an hour after that. Someone with a Greek name just read that Trudeau will ban handguns in Canada. Yeah, let's talk about the Toronto terrorism in our remaining moments. Um do not says Park Square Barristers, Co-UK about Mars and Talent. Harding, LinkedIn, Park Square Barristers. I've seen screenshots. Things have changed recently. Oh, you're talking again about um, any connection between uh, the judge and the lawyer. I'll look at that. Tame Thing One says jihadis welcome, but kill the balloon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, isn't that the truth, eh? The man of police will charge a balloon. Oh, my God, there's a Peppa Pig balloon. Oh, my God, there's a Peppa Pig balloon. Um, rape gangs. Oh, don't say anything or we'll throw you in, to- in prison, Tommy. Twenty-three thousand jihadis. Give me. Can you grab a headline of twenty-three thousand jihadis? Just put that up on the screen. People are saying, "Oh, you're making up that number." I ain't making up the number. Was that MI five or MI six? Throw that up on the screen. Twenty-three thousand jihadis. Uh, known jihadis. You can't track twenty-three. Look at that huge scale of terror threat revealed. UK home to twenty-three thousand jihadis. I think this is from the Times of London, the most prestigious paper in the UK. That's not even a tabloid. All right, I want to shift gears now <clears throat> because it's 12:45. We talked about Tommy, and I'm going back to London, getting on a plane, no problem. Uh, if you want to help, chip, if you can help me with my airfare, I'd be grateful. Uh, I went online to Expedia, and the cheapest flight was just under two thousand bucks. What can I do? It's last minute flying. If you can help, I'd be grateful. You can do that at Tommytrial.com. Um, I want to I talk about terrorism in Canada because, as I've said many times, what happens in the UK today is happening in Canada a few years from now. So what they went through five years ago was happening here. So, yeah, we had a terrorist attack in Canada. And his name is Faisal Hussain. He's 29. Uh, police say he visited Pakistan and Afghanistan. Police say he visited ISIS websites. His brother is a drug dealer who right now is in a coma from a drug overdose. His brother's surety in court was provided by another man who has over 300 firearms offenses. So yeah, we're talking about family of the year here, but uh, that's life under Justin Trudeau's Canada. Who knows, he might've come in under Stephen Harper. Wouldn't surprise me. Harper let in half a million Muslim migrants in his term. We shouldn't all put this on the liberals. Um, A lot of things going on here, of course. Oh, it's just mental illness, nothing to do with Islam, nothing to see here. People don't buy that because people saw uh, in the um, video footage that he was not wild, he was not mad. This terrorist was calm, cool, collected, and he handled the firearms like an expert. The way he shot, the way he held the gun, the way he calmly reloaded, 40 bullets shot. He walked by a, a man named Jaspal Singh, as the name suggests, a Sikh man. Uh, The picture I saw of Jaspal Singh, he does not wear a turban. So Jaspal Singh has brown skin and he could have been mistaken for a Muslim man. And I say that because Jaspal Singh says the murderer walked by him and said, don't worry, man, I'm not going to kill you. And Jaspal Singh said, thanks. And they walked right by each other. And Jaspal Singh went on to his life. And he's told both the Globe Mail and the Toronto Sun that story. Yeah, look at this. He was following me. When we got to the end of the alley, he said, Don't worry, I am not going to shoot you, Singh recalled. Singh said he responded with a thanks, and then the two men got closer together. We looked at each other. He said to stay out of his way, not as a threat, but as a warning. Can you get the same photo? Can you, from that same story, can you get the photo of Singh? I want to show what he looks like. Because I think it's relevant. Because here you've got a terrorist who murdered two women, right? He murdered A 10-year-old girl and an 18-year-old young woman. So when he said to Jasper Singh, don't worry, I'm not going to murder you. Um, Is it because Jasper Singh is a man and he was only murdering women? Is it because Jasper Singh is brown? That's Jasper Singh. You see what I mean? He doesn't look traditionally Sikh because he's got the Sikh bracelet on his right arm, as you can see. But that's pretty low-key. He's not wearing a big turban. He's wearing a hat. So, that could be a Muslim fella, right? So did the terrorist spare Jaspal Singh's life? Because he's a man? Because he's brown skin? Because the terrorist thought he was Muslim? Why? He was an indiscriminate shooter. It seems 40 shots. More than a dozen wounded, two murdered. But not Jaspal Singh. Why did he not shoot this man? And in fact, why did he positively say Just be careful, man. I'm going to start shooting. Don't don't get in the way. You're fine. I guess what I'm saying is it's a terrorist attack, obviously. And the calm manner in which the terrorists did it puts a lie to the official narrative. It was just mental illness. Now, our friend David Menzies went down to the Danforth neighborhood. And I want to play his latest video where he does The Streeters. And uh, it's 1249, so we've got some time. I'd like to play as much of his New Streeters video as possible, you guys. So not just 60 seconds. Uh, how long is it, his, his one from yesterday? It's about what, it's about six minutes? Let's play the whole thing. Folks, I want you to see I want you to see six minutes of David Menzies down at the Danforth. David's very gentle, very gentle, non-inflammatory, talking to severely normal people. And I want you to see what people not in the media party have to say, people in the neighborhood, I want you to see what they have to say about the terrorist attack. Do they believe the official narrative that this was just mental illness? It's nothing to do with Islam. Justin Trudeau has been on holiday all week. It's got to be nothing. The Prime Minister surely would care if it was something serious. Here, take a look at six minutes of David Menzies on Danforth.
2: The day after law enforcement finally made the name of the mass shooter Faisal Hussein public. As you can see folks, I'm in front of a uh, makeshift memorial. People are coming by here all day long writing uh, words of encouragement and support. But the question arises, do people here on the Danforth buy the official explanation that Mr. Hussein was acting as a mentally ill individual, or was there perhaps something more to his act of carnage? Well, are, are you buying the um, uh, the narrative by the media and the authorities that this was merely an act of mental illness, or was there perhaps something more? No, absolutely not. This
1: was not an act of this is an act of terrorism, absolutely. And uh, my personal point of view, it was projected towards women. Uh, maybe I'm not sure what his objective was, what his motive was, but. I do feel he was aiming at women.
2: Well, certainly the, unfortunately, the, the two victims he murdered were women. Um, sir, if it was terrorism, why is there reluctance on the behalf of the authorities and the media to call terrorism?
3: Because of the political agenda. Come out and tell the truth. And the media now has been hiding a lot of this information and I think the people are just getting fed up with it. So, ma'am, you're
2: saying that uh, your daughter's friends were in the second cup and they made it out in time? 2 yeah, they
4: 17 and two close friends of my daughter and they were just out getting like, a cold drink at the second cup and they got delayed because they needed a drink remade, thank goodness, or they probably would have walked out the front door just as the shooter arrived, so the gunman reloaded and started shooting again through the front window and they were able to get out through the back with all of the people there just stampeding to get out, got out through the back alley and then to a stranger's house and the lady took care of them and drove them home, thank goodness. He lives in a heavily populated this Afghani-Pakistani neighbourhood. I used to live there. I unfortunately had to live in the same building. Once before, many years ago, over 25 years ago, it was a very nice prestigious area. And and then... Oh, you
2: actually the... lived at 43 Thorncliffe?
4: Yes, okay. yes, over 26 years ago. And
2: what made you leave, ma'am?
4: Uh, The areas start changing on the east side of that area of Thorncliffe Park Drive.
3: If he was mentally ill, how did he obtain a handgun, go to the trouble of that? How did he get some military training? According to a police uh, officer, the way he was shooting was uh, he absolutely had some military training or at least some uh, training in shooting a gun. And if so, if he's mentally unstable, how did he manage to get a gun and do this?
1: We are, as pastors, we, are, we endeavor to be caregivers. And I have seen, and I think perhaps if you live in this city, you would have seen the upsurge in uh, mental challenges in, in the city. But in terms of ISIS, we have no comment on that.
2: It's been a bad year, though, hasn't it? I mean, you know, in terms of how many people are being killed in this city, uh, do you guys personally feel safe in this city right now? I feel safe. (laughs) I love Toronto. (laughs) I love Toronto. I feel, I feel safe.
4: Absolutely not absolutely not it's a cover-up.
2: Well
3: you know that the, the, the news always like according to Trump fake news.
2: It's liberal
3: th- biased news that wants to hide anything like this uh, from the people uh, so that they don't inflame passions they don't get people upset uh, you know the media is left-wing bias everybody knows it and people are starting to find out about it and
4: they're starting to get pissed off. In Canada we're such a wonderful supportive country of many cultures why why take out that kind of anger on, on all of us, who are supportive of different religions and cultures, that would be a shame.
1: If you see the videos, this guy was trained. He was walking and shooting. I can do that. You cannot do that. Only a trained person can do that.
2: And he seemed to be very selective with his targets. Uh, I, I mean, he wasn't shooting at everybody. He was going to, I mean, specific people.
1: I'm not sure if he was, he was selecting, but obviously he knew what he was doing. Definitely, because if you look at the videos again, you will see him, the way he shoots and the way he holds the gun, he had some kind of a training, not, not a small training, he had big training. If I take a gun, if you take a gun and you go around, I don't think you can find the target. And he knew how to get the target.
2: He seemed that way on the video for sure. At the end of the day, was this indeed an act of terrorism?
1: Who am I to say, but I believe there's some kind of a link, yes. He had some kind of, uh, you know, I don't want to scare people, but maybe he did, because people are telling me that when he was walking on the street, he was talking in another language and he was uh, making sounds. I don't know what
4: kind of sounds were he saying. And for all the um, politicians, you're not doing enough. I'm sorry, guys, but you guys are not doing enough.
2: What, What would you like to see them do, sir?
4: Uh, I don't know if they can get rid of the gun- uh, guns, because look, we're going to get rid of the guns. Then what's going to come out? The kn- knives? And then we're going to get rid of the vans? Okay? we got to go on with our lives. You can't live in fear. We can't live in fear anymore. <laughs> this is so terrible and it's killing me inside That's really hit home. It's just killing me. For the little girl and the 18 year old, it's just, it rips, it rips my heart apart like when I when I heard this, I just could not stop crying. My mom just left for Greece, and then when she called me and she told me how I'm doing, she heard about this, she was just under like, I would never believe this would happen here on the Danforth, never, I will never believe that. And to the politicians, please, I'm begging you, I'm begging you, please, from the bottom of Canada, Toronto, please do something anything open programs for young children anything i'm just so heartbroken that uh, i i guess I, I feel for everybody else the people in restaurants and terrible.
0: very emotional ending there but what do you make of the earlier comments too even that man's comments at the end you know you take the guns they're going to come with knives. It's not a, it's the problem with terrorism is not the particular tool they use. I was in the UK, and I retraced the steps of the Westminster terrorist attacker who uh, used a van, actually a 4x4. Uh, in less than 90 seconds, he sped across a bridge, hopped out with a gun and a knife, or sorry, just, just a, a knife. He killed someone on the bridge. He killed the first cop he met. So he used a vehicle and a knife. I also went to where Lee Rigby was murdered. He was murdered by butcher knives, big machetes. So it's not the tool. It's not the gun. It's not the knife. It's not the 4x4. It's the terrorist. And if you, you know, terrorists will use anything. They'll, They'll ram airplanes into buildings. It's not the tool that's terrifying it's the person and the ideology behind it there's a few super chats I missed Uh, the person with the Greek name I can't read says Trudeau talking about sending the police door-to-door to to confiscate legal handguns ironically at police gunpoint I haven't heard that that I'm skeptical about that Uh, I'm sure they will ban things and when that doesn't work they'll double ban them and when that doesn't work they'll triple ban them super duper ban them Um, That's the point about gun bans, is if you're going to commit murder, you're probably not going to obey a paperwork offense and not have a gun. R1P Buck chips in 10 bucks. Thank you. and says, thanks for your honesty, Ezra. Harper isn't quite the conservative hero some people think he is. Uh, Oh, you're talking about Stephen Harper letting in half a million Muslim migrants. I think you're right. That's on Jason Kenney, too, by the way. Here's the immigration minister. Warrior Linda Clark says, Oh, believers, I fight those who do not believe. Yeah, I mean, if you read the Quran, it's a difficult read. It's not written in the style of the Western mind. It's a terrifying document. It's a document of war. It's 1258. Uh, Let me just check with my team. Have, Have I missed any super chats that you guys know about? No? I think we're good. All right. Well, listen, it's been a pleasure being back. It looks like we have about a thousand people watching live. That's that's nice to have you back. It's great to be back. Believe me, I really enjoyed doing these daily. But And next week, I'm going to be in the UK. And who knows what my schedule is going to be like. And who knows what the hotel Wi-Fi is going to be like. I tried doing it when I was traveling a few weeks ago and it just fell apart. So I don't want to make that commitment and fail to live up to it. So My goal is every Friday to have a Super Chat. I I thought today was good. We had a few vids, we shared a few vids, but we we went through a lot of comments. There's a ton of comments. Uh, Calvin Arndt, are you saying I missed one of your uh, your Super Chats? If so, I'm sorry. Um, There's just so many things going by, and I was looking at the camera. I see it's 12.59, so let me say this. Um, I'll have my regular show tonight. I'll be talking about the amazing GDP numbers in the United States, over 4% growth. That economy is just roaring. Um, I will uh, fly. I will not be here on Monday. I will be flying to the UK because I want to land a night early. Again, if I have any problems at Heathrow or whatever, I don't think I will. But, and I don't want my plane to be late. I don't want to miss it. So I've got to be there for Tuesday morning, maybe Wednesday. And if Tommy's let out Wednesday afternoon or something, so I'm not actually going to come home Um, so I don't have my, I just, I don't have my tickets in front of me, but it's, it's, it's going to be, I think I'm away for like five days, but I will do as many videos as I can from the UK. When I was there two weeks ago, I think I did 10 uh, or something and I did over a hundred tweets. So I promise I will keep you posted on the Tommy News as best I can. I'm not saying I'm going to be 100% perfect. When you're live tweeting full tilt in court, sometimes you get something wrong. But, but I think my errors are trivial compared to the amount of information we were able to get out. I believe my main mission in going to London, besides taking care of uh, the, l- the legal bills, to, finishing that off, is to rebut the lies. Would you agree with me, especially based on what I showed you today from the BBC, Would you agree with me that they intend to lie about Tommy? And they always will. All right, that's it for today's battleground. I'll see some of you tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern for my regular show. Until next time, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, keep fighting for freedom.